tonight, 6 p.m. Everybody say 6 p.m. Every third Sunday, we have a Sunday night service where we have a prophetic night, a healing night. And uh, that's where the, the picture, I think that's where Richard, in the picture earlier, that's where he got a prophetic word and God changed his life. We'd love to pray for every person that comes tonight. And uh, no matter what, what you have a need of, if it's seeking, you know, seeking God and or wanting a prophetic word or healing, and bring someone that needs either one of those. And let's watch the Holy Spirit movie, man. <laughs> Let me begin with something funny. As per his oath of silence, a monk is only allowed to say two words every year. After his first year, he comes before the head abbot to speak his two words. He said, food bad. The head abbot understood and obliged the monk and hired a new chef and improved the food quality for the monastery. A year later, the monk appeared before the abbot and spoke these two words, warmer blankets. The head abbot got right on it and purchased new blankets for the monk. The next year, the monk once again appeared for his annual two words to the abbot and said, I quit. <laughs> the head abbot replied, well, good. All you've ever done since you got here is complain. That's it, sorry. <laughs> There's a great story in the Bible filled with so much really kingdom revelation and practical biblical truth. It's about the story of a man named Samson. I'm going to talk about him today and then we're going to talk about some things that relate to our lives. In the concluding part of his life when God gave him another great supernatural comeback, the Bible says in Judges chapter 16 verse 22, However, the hair of Samson's head began to grow again. The hair of Samson's head began to grow again. That's kind of a summation for quite a long journey. And after that journey, Samson had been finally conquered by the Philistines when, they, when a prostitute named Delilah cut his hair. And he lost his strength. He lost his covenant with God through the Nazarite vow and he became weak. And they captured him, imprisoned him and really tortured him. It's just a tough story. So here's a guy with one of the biggest failures ever recorded in the Bible. A massive public moral failure, and yet the Bible says God gave him another chance. I want to be in the camp of people that believe God doesn't throw people away. I want to be in the camp that believes there's no one irredeemable. I want to be in the camp that says God will give you a second chance. Not condoning, not diminishing the gravity of his sin. But sometimes the church is so good about pointing out failures, but so bad about restoring the fallen. And the church must not be a place where people are afraid to express the weakness or failures of their humanity, lest they be disassociated or disinvited and somehow diminished in the sight of others. So Samson has this happen, and his, his story began with this. He's, he is the product of a miracle. His mother was barren, couldn't have a child, and, 
and now she's, she's moving on in years. And an angel from heaven appeared to her and her husband and said, you're going to have a miracle son. And God, it was, it was a spectacular thing. They, they had a sacrifice. The angel went up in the fire to heaven. I mean, it was incredible. Sure enough, they had a son named Samson. Samson, his name means sunshine or great joy. You know, when you've, when you've as a woman, when you've lost babies to miscarriages or you've been barren for a long time and God gives you a child, man, there's a joy that is hard to describe. So Samson is the joy of his parents. And the angel said, here's what you have to do. Since his birth, you have to give him the Nazarite vow. And so the Nazarite vow, a simplistic view of it is that you can't cut his hair, he can't drink alcohol, and he can't touch dead things. That's kind of the three major parts of being a Nazarene. So Samson has never cut his hair his whole life. He's, he's not supposed to touch dead things, and he's not supposed to drink alcohol. He, wasn't, he didn't do good about keeping his vow, by the way. So that's Samson's story. And Samson now, you know, he, he, he's a young man, maybe early 20s, and, and Samson falls in love with someone. Isn't love wonderful? I remember when I fell in love with Mary Morava. It was love at first sight. And uh, I still love her. I love her more now than I did when I met her in 1977. And so it's wonderful to be in love, but Samson fell in love with the wrong girl. Samson fell in love with a Philistine. And it wasn't just that was a different race or a different religion. The Philistines were the cruel oppressors of Israel. And so Samson fell in love with the girl that was on the enemy's side. Okay? This is the Hatfields and the McCoys. This is Romeo and Juliet. This is Bible. The, the Bible's got better stories than soap operas. And so he, he tells his parents, I'm in love. And they said, well, couldn't you find a girl at CFTN? <laughs> All these amazing godly single women, and you got to go over there to the enemy's camp. And, and, you know, the Bible gives us both Old and New Covenant. Like one rule for marriage, don't marry outside of faith. Don't be unequally yoked. That's a Bible command. So he's breaking the principles of God's Word. He's transgressing Scripture. He's violating the government of God for believers, for God's people. And... and He's, he's messing up. And, and so his parents tried to talk about He wouldn't be denied. They, they weren't good about telling him no anyways. He's kind of entitled. He's spoiled. Ever dealt with an entitled or spoiled child? You with me? So everybody's afraid to breathe. And so Sam said that they, 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 they go... And they get her and they set it up. And, and the Bible says this in chapter 14, verse 4. But they did not know that it was of the Lord. It always blows my mind when God does something so big. It, it violates even the, the, the sanctity of theological dogma. And God says, I'm going to do something that you don't think I can do. They did not know that God was allowing, permitting, and even maybe 
engaged in this thing. And God, they did not know that him marrying the wrong person was somehow approved by God. Why? Well, because at that time, the Bible says that God was looking for an occasion. The, the word occasion is just so, it's so peaceful and so passive and so, un, it's so really unconnected to the Hebrew word. They did not know that God was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. The word occasion in the Hebrew is tuana. And tuana means to start a fight. God's in a fighting mood. He's ready to tear down that principality that's been oppressing your family. He's ready to war against the spirits that are trying to capture a whole generation of children in our country. He's ready to overcome strongholds that have hurt, oppressed, and governed the hearts of people. Taking them into great dark deceptions, God's ready. He's in a fighting mood to set oppressed people free. And God's going to use Samson's biggest mistake to create Samson's greatest ministry. Only God can do that. Come on, the devil should have never messed with you. All he did was give God a chance to show you how great he is. Because your God's going to take the worst thing the enemy's done to you and turn it to the best thing that God can do through you. He works all things together for the good of them that love him, called by his purpose. There's nothing so intrinsically evil in your story that God can't put his hands on it and make it become something good. Samson's going to blow it big time. If he belonged to most churches, he would be removed from the rules of membership. Mm. Samson... One day he has a disagreement and he's, he's immature, he's, he's, he's not had a bunch of relationships, he's most likely saved himself for this moment. He has a little squabble with his wife, they haven't really even consummated their marriage yet. And while he's away, her father gives her someone else, makes him mad, and then he overreacts and, and next thing you know, the Philistines burn his wife alive, they kill her in a horrific way. Mm. Ouch. Samson, the, the life is great guy, the life guy who had never heard the word no, that never had a bad day. Samson all of a sudden has his heart broken. And out of his broken heart, God unleashes a ministry for 20 years. I don't know what you've been through. I just know God's going to make it turn something good. Okay, let me, let me talk about some things. So his, his story, so Samson, Samson is not wanting to be involved, engaged in a real committed relationship because the last one he had didn't end well. But he still needs sex, can I just be honest? And, so he visits prostitutes. The problem is he falls in love with one of them. The beautiful assassin's name was Delilah. And Delilah 
wasn't just a beautiful woman. She was a perfect weapon from hell to defeat him. And the men of the Philistines said, find out his secret. Entice him, seduce him. And the Bible says she pestered him. She pressed him and she vexed him. The, the, the problem with sin is the longer you stay in it, the more it oppresses you, it vexes you, it presses you, it pesters you. It's, you cannot be happy when you're living in chronic, unrepentant sin. Thank you, three amens for three brave people. So she's pestering him and she's, she's warring against his soul. So let me just say a couple things. First Corinthians 10, 13 says this, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to all mankind. But God is faithful. God is faithful. Who will not allow you ever to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. But with temptation will give you a way out. That you'll be able to, ever done an escape room? So it's a new thing. You pay money for people to lock you in a room. <laughs> and you have to find the keys that's, they're hidden and the stuff and you got to get out. And then you're, after a while you're getting kind of agitated. And you're, you're hoping the smart person in the room figures it all out. And you try, try. God says, you'll never be in a room I can't get you out of. <clears throat> it, the, the, there, there's no such thing that, as a temptation you can't defeat. Come on, stay with me. God's going to help you overcome a sexual temptation or any other temptation. Now, that happened to be Samson's weak spawn. So, Samson's going through this. When, when Paul talked about sexual sin to Timothy, he's writing to a young pastor. And he says this. If you read the writings of Paul, the scriptures, the holy scriptures, Paul's, Paul's feisty. He's a fighter. He's a warrior. He's a champion. He says, rebuke the devil. Resist the devil. You're more than a conqueror. And then he comes to sex, sex temptation. He says, run. <laughs> Come on. He says, flee. Don't set yourself up to fail. Oh, Pastor, I don't know what happened. We were, we were just alone. And stuff happened. <laughs> Stop it. Don't participate in the enemy's scheme to defeat you by putting yourself in places that you cannot overcome temptation. Come on. I don't care if all the guys going to the topless bar, you better not go there. Well, Pastor, that's where business is done. Well, then find a different business. Okay, just, that was for free. I just came out of here. Just popped out. Sexual sin destroys spiritual strength. So the strongest guy that ever lived, Samson, was defeated by sexual immorality. The wisest guy that ever lived, Solomon, was defeated by sexual immorality. Now, look. 
I want to dig just, just so I have a couple degrees in psychology. And I got my degrees not to help you. I got them so I wouldn't go crazy 25 years ago. No, it's for both. Samson experienced incredibly hurtful and wounding trauma as a young man. His wife brutally murdered. Instead of seeking God for healing, he self-medicated through sexual promiscuity. Often people who engage in sexual promiscuity are doing so to try to escape the perpetual pain from their unhealed soul wounds and trauma. I, I, I need you to get this because we make superficial judgments about people about if they're, if they're you know, sexually promiscuous. We, we, but, but you don't know their story. You don't know their heartache. And so the, the, the sexual act brings temporary pleasure. And if you're in constant oppression and pain, people will do anything to get out of that pain. And so they, they get into drugs or alcohol or sex addiction. They'll do whatever it takes to get out of their pain. And Samson's in pain. Sexual pleasure gives hurting people temporary reprieve from their soulish pain. The problem is it doesn't heal them. It leaves them emptier and more condemned. Time does not heal all wounds Jesus does. Come on, you with me? We're, we're giving the devil some black eyes today. <laughs> I had to dedicate that statement to our friend. Giving the devil black eyes today. So after she wins his confidence, the Bible says, she lulls him to sleep. Now, now, please listen to me. You're the most vulnerable when you're asleep. You with me? There's no defensive posture. There's no defensive action. You're physically the most vulnerable. When you're spiritual, spiritually asleep, you're the most vulnerable you'll ever be in this lifetime. Because the devil's not sleeping. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, First Peter, First Peter 5, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Satan doesn't sleep. So the problem with habitual sin, it puts you to sleep. The stuff you used to know is sin, when you have it long enough, you just accept it, your conscience no longer convicted by it, and you're kind of sleepwalking through life. And, and, and there's too many people sleepwalking through their life because of either trauma or sin, and God wants to heal you and set you free. Paul said in Ephesians 5, awake you that sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you life. Walk circumspectfully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Okay. Last couple thoughts, but uh, last several couple thoughts. <laughs> Four symptoms of a defeated life. She lulls him to sleep and she cuts off his hair. And the Bible says she tormented him. He didn't even know he was being tormented until he woke up. When he woke up, his strength was gone. They captured him. And here's what they did. The Philistines did. When they first caught him, Judges 16, 21, the Philistines took Samson and put out his eyes, brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in the prison. 
Just four simple points. Number one, when you live defeated, you will always live visionless. Visionlessness means you're living a defeated life. You were not made by God to not have a dream and vision for your life. <clears throat> so so he, the first thing they did, they said, we're going to take his vision. And they, they hurt him so grotesquely that I want to say to every person here, it's time to get a new vision. God has a vision for your life. Let me say it like this. There's no, there'll never be a season of your life that God doesn't have a redemptive purpose and a heavenly vision for that season. People, people with no vision for tomorrow always make bad, bad decisions today. The vision you have for tomorrow determines the decisions you make today. God doesn't want you making bad decisions because you're not seeing far enough. In Proverbs 9, 29, 18, the Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. In Genesis 13, God took Abram to a mountain and said, look now, north, south, east, and west, all the land that you see I will give to you and your sense forever. That's the promise of God. The reason why we bless Israel, God said to Abraham, they that bless you will be blessed. They that curse you will be cursed. And God said to him, Abraham, if you can see it, you can have it. I don't know what God's trying to talk to you about. I don't know what thing he's purposed and planned for your life. I just know it's time to dream again. It's time to see again. It's time to let God open your spiritual eyes, open your vision, open your dream, open your heart to what he has for you. Vision's the blueprint of life. Number two, they brought him down. This is kind of a play in words. They brought him down to Gaza. Gaza back in the news today or this week. The second thing is... Defeated people are always unhappy and depressed people. I know what it's like. I got so depressed, I wrote a country western album. Please pray for me. I'm starting to like a few country songs. And I don't know what to do. I've cried out for help. But doggone it. And they brought him down to Gaza. God has not called you to be a miserable Christian for your life. <laughs> when as a boy growing up in Pentecost, we measured people's spirituality by their misery index. And the more miserable you were, the more, oh, she's so spiritual. Look how miserable she is. She's so godly. Chronically unhappy. Chronically. My, my beautiful granddaughter, Isabel, is here. And uh, so proud of her, all of our grandkids. And my grandkids only know a happy poppy. She's 17, Miles is 18, from 18 down. Because Jesus healed my broken heart. Now listen to me. If he can heal me, who got so depressed I wrote a country western album before I liked country music. If God could do that for me, what can he do for you? Jesus said this, the thief 
John 10, 10, comes only and exclusively to rob, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. The Bible says the kingdom of God is not with eating and drinking. It's righteousness, peace, and joy through the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God is joy. You can be happy when life is crappy. But somewhere in the book of Ephesians. Joy is so powerful. And God says to us, don't let anyone take you down. Don't let life take you down. When I succumb to depression or to discouragement, it's because I believed a lie about my future. The devil's a liar. Okay. Third thing, they bound him with bronze fetters. Fetters that before he was tormented, before he was weakened, he could break off. Now, here's my point. Anything that controls you has replaced the lordship of Christ in your life, and God wants it removed. Doesn't matter what it is. In Samson's case, it was sexual promiscuity and morality, but there are many ways to be bound. Come on. The guy I prayed for 14 months ago, Richard, bound by generational curses of alcoholism and depression and suicide in his family, now completely free. That's what Jesus does. He sets us free. He sets us free. We can be bound by sinful habits. We can be bound by unhealed soul wounds. We can be bound by wrong thinking. We can be bound by wrong beliefs. We can be bound by demonic powers. We can be bound by controlling people. We can be bound by lifeless religious tradition. We can be bound by an unhealthy self-image. I don't care what's binding you. Jesus is strong enough to set you free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Come on. Jesus said to those that continue in his word, if you continue in my word, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Every bondage is being broken. Every controlling, demonic assault against you, God's going to, you're the one. You're the one that's going to break and destroy every generational curse that has ever controlled and oppressed your family. You're the curse breaker. You're the bondage breaker. You're the one opening a door of family blessing, legacy, and heavenly purpose to your family. The devil's a liar. We can be free. Last point, life becomes a grind. They, they made him grind. So a grindstone was the place they would take an ox or a donkey, put it on a rope, and they would grind out the grain. There's a pole in the middle, so he's blind, he's bound, and now he's walking in circles because life is a grind. I love Facebook because it lets me spy on you. Oh, I, I meant that. I, I, I meant to say it gives me a window into your world. And... So it'll happen tonight. OMG, tomorrow's Monday. The grind starts again. <laughs> oh, oh, love is a grind. Oh, oh. 
And we got kids of jobs. Yeah, life the grind. Yeah, going around, lots of motion, no progress, lots of effort, no fruitfulness. Listen, if your life's a grind, you need to get in the kingdom. Because, because in the kingdom, life is a joy. Life for Mary and I has never been boring. In fact, she's, she's glad things have tempered off a little. 45 years of excitement. God wants your, listen, God wants, a beautiful Mary calls Monday's Marvelous Monday. She names all the days. So she'll get in my face tomorrow. So I'll be tired after three services. She'll get in my face and say, Michael, it's Marvelous Monday. And I go, yeah. Well, well, good. <laughs> no, no, it's Marvelous Monday. Come on, we're going to go to Goodwill. <laughs> no, it's, uh, <laughs> see, it's like the Holy Spirit every day wants to say this, wake up, it's Marvelous Monday. It's Terrific Tuesday. It's Wonderful Wednesday. It's Testimony Thursday. It's Freaky Friday. No, no, Friday. Uh, Fantastic Friday. We're breaking out the grind. Samson, okay, the story is, oh, he's bound and they're, they're making fun of him. They, they're having a big party. 3,000 of the leaders of the Philistine nation are having a party and, and they're mocking. Samson was hated by the Philistines and disliked by the Jews. A hero without a home. And they brought him out like a clown to make fun of him. The blind man. And Samson said, his hair had grown back. Samson felt something. And he said to a little boy, hey, would you lead me to the two pillars so I can rest? The pillars that hold up this temple. Can you lead me there so I can rest against them? When you're humble enough to get help from any source God sends you, you're ready to be healed. And he came to the pillars and he said, God, give me strength one more time. If Samson had not prayed this prayer, he wouldn't have died. And he said, let me die with the Philistines. And he tore down the temple. And 3,000 people were killed. Now, here's the point. The Bible says, more died in his death than in his life. 20 years of ministry, he did more in 20 minutes at the end of his life. Let me say it like this. God will take you when people think you're the least valuable. When you're the most broken. When you failed the greatest and when you've disappointed or or life has been cruel and traumatic and painful and hurtful, God will take you when no one believes in you but you and him, sometimes just him. And God will take you and they'll say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show everybody what I can do. Your hair is going to grow again. Come on. Your hair is going to grow again. I'm not done in your story. I'm, I'm not done. And, and, and Samson had even greater achievements and victories after his greatest Moral failure. People may give up on you, but God never will. Yeah. 
Repentance leads to restoration. Humility leads to honor. Brokenness becomes breakthrough in our story and our walk with God as we serve Him and follow Him. God will put you back together and bless you in front of the very same people that broke and cursed you. God will take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for good. That's how great, that's how good our God is. Come on, stand to your feet and give God praise this morning. Come on, someone shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Prayer team, please join me down front. God, I thank you. Your pen is out. The paper is before you. And you're penning a new chapter, a comeback chapter. You certainly did for Mary and I. You certainly did for my family. And there's no one here you won't do that for. So welcome to the beginning of your comeback story. Welcome to a new season. When God pours out his spirit and gives young men visions, old men dreams, and sons and daughters prophetic words where God talks to you about your future. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. As we close today's service, the greatest thing, Bro Brother Lou, I want to say this over you. Um, the Lord's, I saw you taking a test. You were meticulous in studying, and you said, Lord, I'm, I think I'm done. The Lord took it, looked at it, smiled, and said, you passed this test. The season of testing is over in your life. You're in a season of supernatural restoration. And you don't have to wonder if God is taking you forward. God has great surprises for you in this season. Rich promises fulfilled. And I declare to you, it's your comeback season. My friend Lou, in Jesus' mighty name. God, thank you for your hand upon Lou. The singular greatest thing that can happen in any person's life is to receive the saving grace of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that God, the Father, so loved a broken and sinful world that he gave us his only begotten son, Jesus, that whoever believes in Jesus would not perish but have everlasting life. If you've never received Jesus, it would be our highest honor to pray for you today. You don't have to do anything. You don't achieve salvation. You receive salvation. We'd be so honored to pray for you. If you've been away from God, maybe say, well, Pastor, I'm a Christian. I've just been away from God. and I'm proud of you for making it to church or watching on live stream. And I want to say it to you, make today your comeback. Your comeback with God. You're coming home. Maybe you need a miracle in your body or your heart. And maybe you're just going through the toughest season of your life. I want someone to pray over you. Whatever you need today, we're here to pray for you. I want to ask those that need prayer to come to make their way forward, if you wouldn't mind right now. I'm going to pray for my friend, uh, Mike Barber. If, if you're coming for prayer, just come forward. We're going to start praying for you. The rest of you, stretch your hands toward Mike Barber and his uh, lovely wife. God, thank you for uh, Brother Mike and Mrs. Barber. Thank you, God, that he is so satisfied the commission you gave him, that you gave him this bulldog, tenacious spirit. That whatever he applies himself to, he, he's relentless in the pursuit. And God, in the kingdom, what a champion he has been. What an example he's been. How faithful he's been with the mandate you gave him to reach prisoners, to reach the hurting, the forgotten, forsaken, neglected ones. Thank you. We're honored, God, that he's with us, he and his wife. 
we speak a blessing to he and his family. I declare Psalm 91 over both of you with long life. God will satisfy both of you. You're not going anywhere. Your health and strength will remain. They will say, what's wrong with that guy? He's like Caleb. He's taking mountains at 85 and 90. He's doing exploits when he should be doing vacation on the Bahamas. He's, 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 he's at the apex of his strength and wisdom. I saw them make a movie about you. I declare that there'll be a movie about Mike Barber, about your life, your story, from your childhood to your football career to your amazing ministry career for 44 years. God, we bless their children. We bless Mrs. Barber and her life. God, I thank you. I saw this uh, last, two last things. I saw a property turned over to you. And it was, I believe, for like a rehab, not a rehab, a, a, a transition place or some kind of renewing place for people that you minister to. It was like a large ranch. I loosened a miracle property to you, a miracle ranch to you, and it clearly God gives it to you. God's going to do those things. Thank you, God, that you've already that he has never had to beg you for anything because he's doing your will. And you keep talking to people around him to be a part of his story. Thank you, God, for Mrs. Barber, who has a heart of gold. Since you have a heart of gold, it's amazing how well you've stewarded the assignment on your husband, the assignment in your life. Mother of champions and God's grace is upon you for incredible things. I saw the Lord on your side of the family. He said, I'm gonna heal broken and hurting faith. I declare that every person with broken or unresponsive faith is coming back alive. Their heart's coming back alive to Christ. And God's healing and mending and doing great things. I saw God heal a woman with some kind of disease, incurable condition. I loosen a creative miracle into your family in the mighty name of Jesus. God, thank you for your grace upon the barbers in Christ's name. Come on, just lift your hands to heaven, everybody. Worship the Lord. Don't forget tonight's prophetic service at 6 a.m. Declare that together. Come on. We bring everything, everything to the feet of Jesus. Everything in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. We sing, come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. Yeah. We bring everything to the feet of we Jesus. Bring honored and humbled to serve here. Have a wonderful rest of your day and week. If you can make it back tonight, it's going to be a great service. You can stay here as long as you want to. We're going to keep praying. Tell someone around you that Jesus loves you like crazy if you're leaving. You're a wonderful church. Have a great week.